is my joy, church family, to kick off our 20th book of the Bible together. It's pretty awesome, huh? Um, It's going to be your favorite. I'll go ahead and tell you this is going to be your favorite because every book of the Bible when we kick off is your favorite. (laughs) And um, would you read aloud with me? You know, I've added some extra commas. Uh, Would you read aloud with me the first two verses of the book of Colossians? I need it loud. I know a lot of people are gone on vacation and all that kind of stuff, but I need need to feel it. All right, so let's let's do this. Um, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you, and peace from God our Father. Let's kick off with the where. Okay, I think the where is important. There'll be a map here. And so you've got Israel down at the bottom right. Egypt would be up underneath it. Okay, And so in Paul's missionary journeys, he went up this way. He, he kept trying to get to Rome. He finally does make it. But as he's going, he has these missionary journeys. And so as he's going up top, kind of up there, Asia, Turkey-ish, you see Colossae right there. Uh, you'll see some other names that you recognize throughout the Bible, Ephesus, Corinth. Uh, you can see where he writes all these letters. So this is, this is where he's headed. So this is a small little village town. This is a small little marketplace right there. Um, interesting fact, Paul never actually visited Colossae at all. Um, it was a church plant, but he was still united with it in, in purpose and in love. Kind of like, y'all have heard of the church plant that we've talked about that's going on in Gordo right now. Um, small, rural town. Um, I am headed out there to preach. Tyler has gone out there. Austin is heading out there. Tyler Lee has gone out there to preach. And we love that place and we're helping and, and supporting and all that kind of stuff. But 99.9% of you will never visit there. And that's okay because we're still united in heart. We're still united in mission. And that's how this is playing out. So Paul's writing this letter to these people that he's never physically visited and there's a reason why that this is going on, which will be number two. This Gnostic philosophy has penetrated. I, I don't want to. I don't want to get too off into the depths of what this actually means. But track with me for a second. It's, it's a Greek philosophy that's come in that says this: all matter is evil. All right? If all matter is evil, we have a major problem because Christ is born fully in the flesh. And so the Gnostic philosophy is, therefore, either Christ is matter and evil, and therefore he must not be God, or he's just an illusion and he really is God. And both of these are heresies, and so this is kind of trickled into the church that's going on. Um, So with that, they've become borderline occult at this point. And so the cult is they've got all these practices and mystical seances that you have to accomplish if you truly want to find the real God. All right, so this is going to flesh itself out in the book of Colossians. In other words, all that to say, they hadn't denied Christ, but they definitely had dethroned Christ as supreme above all things. So it was Jesus, yes, maybe, but we also have to do all these things if we ever want to find Salvation is, is what this is going on. He's not supreme. Jesus is not supreme is the problem that's going on in the church at Colossae, <clears throat> which leads to the theme. The theme of this entire book is going to be Christ is supreme over all things. And so if at the end of the day, and it's going to be a 13-week process, if at the end of 13 weeks, 
you don't remember what the book of Colossians is about, at least remember that it's Christ is supreme above all things, which is why we have that in the handout and on the graphics and things that are on social media. Christ is supreme over all things. As a matter of fact, one of the verses that I would argue is going to be the key verse is that verse right there. Um, It says this, remember, he's talking to people who have lost their chief value in Christ. It's Christ plus something else. And now you'll see how he kind of rebuts that. He says, listen, no, 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 no. He is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether rulers or dominions or thrones or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he's before all things and in him all things hold together. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead that everything uh, in everything he might be preeminent. Uh, For in him all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. All that to say, you can see in that him going, it's all about Jesus. Everything's about Jesus. He's supreme over all. You can hear that echoed, echoed, echoed. So maybe you're asking the question, well, Troy, why is that important to us? Are you saying that Gnostic philosophy has entered into Safe Haven Church. No, not as far as I know. That's not why this is important to us. But this is important to us in this sense. Either Christ is supreme over all things in your life or He's not supreme at all. And we all have different areas in which we will give allegiance and supremacy to something else. And we'll find those things lacking. And that's what we're going to find in this book over and over. What I'm trying to say is this. Attempting to find joy or value or peace or contentment in anything. Attempting to find happiness in anything other than the person and work of Christ will always be lacking. Always. It'll always fail you. So you may not battle Gnostic philosophy, but let me ask you questions like this. Have you ever said, well, if I can deal with this area of my past, then I'll find joy. Or if I just have that surgery, then I'll be happy. Or if I can be friends with X, Y, or Z, buddy, then I'll be content. Or if I could just land that job then I'll find peace. Or if I can just achieve that level of financial security. Or if I can just get organized. Or if I can finally live there. If my family will just do this. If I can just date that person. If my church would just, then I'll be happy. Can you identify with any of those statements? And that's the point. If we try to find satisfaction in anything else, it will always leave us lacking. And this is what we're going to see over and over and over, that Christ alone satisfies and He is indeed supreme above all things. So with that said, let's begin shortly this morning with our 13-week journey together. It begins with this word here. Let's track through it, church, exegetically. Paul. Paul, formerly Saul, he was a Christian killing legalist, turned 
by Christ, blinded him on the road to Damascus, and he turns and all of a sudden becomes the Paul that we know that writes 13 books of the Bible. This, this guy, Paul, an apostle, a hand-picked messenger, plucked out. Nothing qualified him in and of himself. As a matter of fact, he was disqualified from everything. If we would have put the picture of Saul before he became Paul up there to be a deacon, everybody in this room would have been like, "Mm -mm, not that brother. (laughs) I have a hard enough time with Brian Crow, but much less this brother. (laughs) This this would be kind of how it plays itself out. So Paul, an apostle, handpicked by the will of God. That should sound familiar because that's the same way he began the book of Ephesus, uh, book of Ephesians, right? So he's admitting in this, not by the will of God, I'm something worthy. What he's admitting is, look, I know that I'm not qualified, but it's only by the will of God I'm writing these things. So it's actually a humble statement that he's saying here. And so he's not denying. So Paul, an apostle, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. I highlight that just simply because Timothy at this point is not the Timothy that we know. This is not the Timothy of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. Same guy. But at this point, he's just a disciple. He's still just a follower. He's he's a student of Paul at this point. And Timothy, our brother, to the saints, to the people that are holy, to the people that have been cleansed by something other than their own works, to the people who are dedicated to the Lord and now able to approach the throne in confidence to those people. And so right now, I know across the room, you may go, well, oh, man, I wish I was one of those people or whatever. Here's the beauty. In Christ, if you have trusted in the finished work of Christ, He's talking to you. You are a saint. If you've breathed in the gospel, you are cleansed, you are whole, you are righteous, you are a saint. So when you get your next checkbook, if anybody uses checks, maybe for your first name you can put Saint something, just Saint Jared, Saint Zoe, whatever. You can put whatever you want to do. If you're in Christ, you've been made holy and you can now boldly approach the throne. This is who he's talking to. To the saints and the faithful brothers. Two words there, interesting. Faithful. Remember what I told you, the church is infiltrated with all kind of weird philosophies going on. So he's saying, hey, in the midst of a bunch of wolves in the church, I'm writing to you who are remaining faithful. But not only that, to the faithful brothers. So he says, I'm writing to you who have united in their love affair with Christ under the fatherhood of Abba God. Doesn't matter the race, doesn't matter the uh, socioeconomic status, doesn't matter the job, doesn't matter the whatever. I'm writing to those who are under the banner of Christ as supreme in all things, to the faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Now, I noticed that when we were reading verses 1 and 2 together, that it was real loud until we got to that word. It was like, da-da-da-da, in Colossae, what is that word? So, in Colossae, this is, this is the town that it is. In Christ at Colossae. And what, the reason I highlight that and pause that is because notice that the only badge that Paul is willing to recognize in them and the only badge that they're willing to wear is we're just in Christ. He didn't start naming 17 different names. He just said, to those who are under the banner of in Christ. 
And from there, he's going to launch this whole thing about the supremacy of Christ in all things. Um, me and Kobe went to work out this week. He loves it when I use him for illustrations. Uh, me and Kobe and, and Cole went to work out this week. And um, I, I love it when he goes with us. Um, and, and so I was trying to leave that moment of, man, how can I get him to come back? Man, this, this is fun. This is awesome. And I was like, Kobe, man, wasn't that great? And of course, y'all know Kobe. And he was like, eh, <laughs> it was something. Uh, he's like, just give me a piano and a guitar and I'll be happy. And I'm like, great. Um, don't you need the piano? Don't you need to do bench presses to work on a guitar or something? Anyways, and so we're walking out and I was trying to encourage him. Hey, man, you know, I really hope, like, just have enough self-esteem to just want to work out or whatever. Just, and I'm trying to do anything I can get. Have enough self-esteem to want to work out with us. And, of course, Kobe, in the only way that he can do it, says, well, you know, Spurgeon says... And that's when I knew I was in trouble. You know, Spurgeon says that self-esteem is the deadly poison that only leads to self-destruction. <laughs> and I'm like, wah, wah, wah. And he's right. He's right, in a sense, and he still needs to work out with us. But he's right. Our satisfaction and happiness cannot be found in our, only, in our self-esteem. It cannot be found in anything other than I'm satisfied because I am in Christ. And so hopefully at the end of this journey together, we'll walk away going, I, we are the church in Christ in Northport, in Christ in Tuscaloosa. And that's our identity. That's our badge. Let's keep going. So the key verse in Ephesians that when we walked through it, we just wrapped it up, was... To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So in other words, all of Ephesians was about how Christ came down to form a united church, a new society, and Colossians is going to be upward. So Ephesians is how Christ came down. Colossians, a key verse would be chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. In other words... If Ephesians was how Christ came down, Colossians will be how we look up and worship Him in all things. Um, And then he wraps up this time together today with grace to you and peace from God our Father. Grace and peace. Peace. What Christ achieves for us. That happiness, that satisfaction, that joy... That's what we're talking about. Peace, the the calming purpose over life. If you're anxious in life, my question to you is, have you found peace in Christ? Have you found that level of joy? Peace and grace, how Christ achieved it. That being the undeserved favor that He alone won. He matched it. He measured up. He really was holy. We just get credited with being holy through Him. He won it. So He wins the freedom and the happiness and the joy by grace. His substitutionary work for us. And if He owns undeserved favor, He alone can distribute undeserved favor to whom He chooses. So grace and peace to you. Well... One concluding thought as we wrap up our time. And, and right now you're like, dang, if Colossians is going to be this short every Sunday, I'm here, brother. 
What on earth happened? Well, let's, one concluding thought as we wrap up our time. If you've never heard of um, the Roman catacombs, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, go, go study it today. It's a pretty interesting thing. Back in 100 to 200, so first century, right after Christ, okay, these early Christians found themselves in Rome under persecution, um, and they wanted to be buried with, they wanted to bury their dead with the whole body. And they, they couldn't do so because Rome has a law that no bodies could be buried within Rome. And so what Rome did was they, they cremated everyone and uh, therefore they didn't need graves and tombs and all this kind of stuff. Well, these first century Christians were like, what do we do? And so they went outside the city and they began to dig tunnels all throughout the land. Uh, as a matter of fact, archaeologists have found over 60 of them fully intact. And they're still discovering these, these underground tunnels. And so this is where they would bury their dead. And so these are the Roman catacombs. An interesting thing about these Roman catacombs is archaeologists tell us that when they went in and, and every time they discover a tunnel, <clears throat> they find out that they're Christians, but they don't have names on their tombs. There's slabs there. And on the slabs, what they find written is, in Christ, in peace, and that's it. No name, no date, no uh, John Boy. I don't ever, I don't guess first century was even called John Boy, but John Boy was a great father. Nothing. The only identity these first century Christians cared about was. I am in Christ, therefore I am in peace. Which is where we get, oddly, you figured it out? Rest in peace comes from. And that's what Colossians is going to proclaim to us over and over and over and over. That the only thing we want on our tombstone, the only thing that will bring us happiness, the only thing that will satisfy, the only thing that will bring contentment, the only thing that will bring joy, the only thing that will bring peace is at the end of the day if we go, I'm satisfied in Christ and Christ alone. And so with that said, man, come on back up. Believers in this room. Being in Christ is a reason to rejoice more than just for showing up to worship on a Sunday. And it's an everyday thing. Every single day we find our satisfaction in the fact that we are wretched sinners deeply loved because of Christ's work on our behalf. Believers rejoice greatly. I mean, when we sing, the battle belongs to the Lord. I mean, there's no way possible when we're reflecting on in Christ that we're able to just go... I mean, it's like the battle belongs to the Lord. I mean, it should erupt in our soul. Now, I'm not saying you've got to jump over and do a flip and, and, and knock somebody out. That's not my point. But man, that, it should erupt in us that our eternity is secure, that our hope now is secure, that our value is secure. Praise God. 
I am loved by the Father because of what Christ has done. The battle belongs to the Lord. Woohoo! Now, I don't know if you go, woohoo, or amen, or what, but it should stir something within you if you see the value of being in Christ. Believers, we rejoice greatly because Christ has loved even greater. Unbeliever. Unbeliever. Being in Christ is available to you right now. Right here. Right now. And here's what it looks like. If you're an unbeliever in this room, it begins with admitting our sinfulness. You admit your sin. You, you, you say, I, I don't measure up. I'm not holy. I, like Paul. You go, I, I, I know that I'm disqualified. I know there's no reason for you to love me. I know my own flaws. I know where I fail and I fall short. I confess my sin to you. And I believe. I believe that Christ is righteous where I'm not, which is, well, it's everywhere. He is the fulfillment of righteousness. I I believe that He lived the perfect life, that He died the death that we deserve, that on the cross He bore the wrath of God for those who would Repent and confess and believe. And so that's number three. You you admit that you're a sinner. You believe that Christ died on your behalf and you commit your life to Him. You say, all of me to all of you. I give my life to you in a very real way. I want to say this clear because this has come up three or four times. We believe squarely at Safe Haven Church that you have a human responsibility to respond to the Lord. And we also believe simultaneously that you won't do so unless the Spirit awakens your heart. And man, we are begging in this moment, if you feel the Spirit drawing you, confess your sin. Believe Christ's righteousness. Commit your life to Him And on the authority of the Word of God, if you call on the Lord in that way, you shall be saved. Believer, rejoice. Unbeliever, repent. Let's all pray together. Well, Lord Jesus, two verses. (laughs) Two verses, and we already can't help but see how you really are supreme. And how being in Christ is for our greatest good. And ultimately for your glory. And so God, I pray that as we go through this book and and we have to think about, we're forced to think about religion and traditions and all kind of things that sometimes will substitute for your work. God, that you will grow us in our love affair for the sufficiency of everything you've already done, not what we do or don't do, but what you have done. That Jesus, you will become big and we will become really small. And uh, Lord Jesus, if there's an unbeliever in this room, God, I pray that today they confess their sin and trust in you and come to salvation. Lord Jesus, have your way as we worship and enter into communion and prayer. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's your precious name we pray. Amen.